among the millions of people who get frustrated with life and they ask a question like this, they're left shaking their head and they think, this is not what I hoped for. What went wrong? This is not what I had planned for my life. You know, for me, your pastor, my greatest regrets in life have happened since I became a follower of Jesus. And how does this happen? I mean, how does that happen? As we've been in this series, we've said, walk this way, and the beginning implies a, dir a direction. It implies that you have a choice to make, this direction or this direction, and God's Spirit waves you down and says, hey, hey, walk this direction. Become a follower of Jesus. And then Paul is saying, though, as we've been learning through this series, that there is so much more to this than just choosing to get on this path of grace and walk this way and, and follow Jesus. There's so much more to it than just getting on that path. Getting on the path, that's not the goal. The goal is for us to grow while we're on that path. Now let me give you the context of where we are in this scripture today, in this series We've been following this letter that Paul wrote to a young man who was a church starter, a church planter. He, so he had a group of churches in this country in which he was living, and he was leading these churches. The guy leading these churches, his name is Titus. He's a young man. Paul has written him a letter and to his churches talking about what needs to happen. He's asking them as churches, as individuals within these churches to grow their roots, the healthy roots in their lives, to grow them deep, deep, deep into Christ. And he's asking them to do this even though the culture in which they live was very uncertain. It was very uh, kind of tricky, kind of like our culture today. And Paul is saying, even though that's the case, grow your roots deep down into Christ. And then he's asking them this, to take what you have attached from the culture to the message of Christ. And he's saying, nope, we need to separate those. Take these things you have added to the message of Christ from the culture and separate those things. And now this morning... He starts us off where we ended last week with Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And here's how it starts. It says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. That's where we ended last week. And now we pick it up with this phrase, He washed away our sins. So, what did He do? What did God do? He says, He washed away our sins. Jesus washed away our sins. And so that leads us to ask this question. If that's what he did, then for whom did he do that? Who gets their sins washed away? And Paul is telling us that everyone in the book of Titus, everyone who follows this path of grace, who leaves their path and gets on God's grace path and begins to follow Jesus, that's who gets their, their sins washed away. Now, that leads us to a third question then. It, it, then... How does that happen? How does this washing away of our sins take place? I mean, what, what does that actually mean? And, and how do I know that that is happening in my life? Because that sounds like something that I really need, so how do I know it's happening in my life? Now, Paul answers that next. 
He says, he washed away our sins. He goes on in the verse, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to hang out here on this phrase for just a moment. So he says two things there. He's giving us a new birth, and then he says he's giving us a new life, and he says it's through the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about this new birth for just a moment. So if you've chosen to follow Jesus, to give him your life, to get on this path of grace and follow Jesus, you're called a Christ follower. But you know what? It's so much more than that. Paul is saying you're actually experiencing a new birth. God is bringing you into his family. So you have a new family. You have a new father, God the Father. And he speaks of everyone who chooses to follow him as an heir, as a child of God. Everyone is a creation of God, but not everyone is a child of God. And he says, if you follow me, if you follow Jesus, you are now, you have this new birth. You are now welcomed into the family. You are now a child of God. And he calls you an heir, which means if you're an heir, it means you have an inheritance. So if you are an heir of God, a child of God, that means he's given you his name. And not just giving you his name, but he's also giving you someday an inheritance. All because of this new birth. And then he uses this phrase, new life. So let's talk about a new life for a moment. It's almost as if Paul is saying you step out of an old life and you step into a new life. You're, this new life is a new existence. It's a new way for you and for me to exist while we are at work. A new way to exist at school, to exist at home. This new life is in essence a new way to live. And then he says both the new birth and the new life are through the Holy Spirit. Through God's Spirit. Now... These things happen through God's Spirit. And let's talk about them one more time. Let's go back to the new birth again. The new birth happens immediately. It's instant. Now, while a real birth is not instant, it does happen basically in a day, I guess. It's pretty immediate. And, and Paul is saying this new birth that you experience, it's instant. It's immediate. As soon as you choose to follow this path of grace, as soon as you choose to become a Christ follower, immediately you have a new birth. Immediately God adopts you into his family. Immediately you have a new family. Immediately he gives you his name to carry on your life because you're his child, you are his heir. It's all immediate. But it, it is so much more, Paul is saying, so much more than just getting a new family. God actually, with this new birth, God actually gives you a part of him. The Bible tells us that God's spirit actually moves into your very soul with this new birth. Now, the other thing that's going on is a new life. So we have the new birth, it's immediate. And we have this thing called a new life. What's this new life? The new life is ongoing. It has a moment where it starts with the new birth, 
But then it keeps going. It goes on and on and on. As long as you are alive on this earth, God's spirit is in you. If you've had the new birth, it's in you, in your soul. And God's spirit is growing you and prompting you and directing you, leading you, leading your life towards this new life. It's a new way of living, a new way of walking, a new way of making decisions. It's a new way, a little at a time, every single day. While the new birth is immediate, the new life, it's not immediate. It's a little bit over the course of your life, every single day, moment by moment for the rest of your life. But Paul says both of these are through God's Spirit. He's saying God's Spirit administers this new life. Jesus made it possible. When he died on the cross for you and me, three days later he rose again. Jesus made it possible for you and for me to have that new birth and the new life. He made it possible. But then Jesus, as he le- after he rose from the dead, then soon after that, he left this earth, and he's with the Father in heaven. And as he did, he handed off this whole project to God's Spirit. And, he, and now God's Spirit is the administrator of this whole thing, new birth, new life. God's Spirit, you can see him as the manager of this whole thing. He's the administrator, he's the manager, and he has an office. He set up an office, he set up a headquarters. Guess where his office is as the manager, as the administrator of this? His office is in your very soul. Listen to the language that Paul uses as he describes this. this, this is, he, Paul is laying a foundation here of this pure teaching about God and who God is and what he's done for us. Listen to how he goes on in verse 6. He says, he, now in this moment, he's talking about God the Father. He says, he, God the Father, generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. We got, we've got to break this down because this is phenomenal. This one sentence... And everything that's in it, Paul is saying God the Father pours his spirit into you. And how does he pour his spirit into you? He says, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, this is really cool. Don't let me lose you. Please hang in here with me on this. God's Spirit can only enter something pure and something holy. And that's why Jesus had to die on the cross for you and me. By Him dying on the cross for you and for me, He washes our lives clean. Just as we started. He washes our lives clean. Pure. He washes our lives holy. 
so that they will be, if we choose to submit to him, he washes them clean so that they will be a clean, fitting, holy, pure place for God's spirit to live. What an amazing picture Paul gives us in this right here. We have God the Father. He generously poured. We have God the Spirit. He poured out His Spirit. And we have God the Son through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now listen, I cannot explain God the Father, how God is three different beings, but, and they're independent, but yet they are completely one. And our mind, there are illustrations to help us understand a little bit about that, but I'm not even going to use them because they break down. They don't really describe. I just have to tell you this. Our minds in the dimensions that we are limited to here on earth cannot comprehend a God that is three separate but yet completely one. We just can't. It is beyond us. There are little things we can use as examples to give you a little piece of that. But I'm not even going to use them because they're so inadequate. Paul is saying, this amazing God has done all of this so that he can place his spirit inside of you if you choose to walk down this path of grace and he can grow you into a new life. And notice the word here he said, generously poured out and I know for my life and I can only imagine maybe for you as well it would take some extravagant extravagant grace to be poured out on my life in order for me to be made pure and holy in God's eyes and that's what God did for us he extravagantly gave him he didn't give you just a little piece of god just a little a little something something he gave you himself and placed his spirit inside of you if you're a follower of jesus and when he did that he rescued you and me from the eternal penalty of sin but not just for the future he also rescued us from the daily power that sin has over our lives if he will rescue us from that if we listen to him you see God's spirit inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus that is what allows you enables you to walk like Jesus walked to live like Jesus lived if we listen to him. You see, this is not just a Jesus thing. God's spirit is intimately involved in this whole process. Let's go on. Paul goes on in verse 7. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. What God began with grace... What he began in your life, if you chose to walk on this path of grace and to become a Christ follower, what God began in his grace, his grace will see to the very end. 
through his Holy Spirit. Notice, go back one slide for me. Notice that he declares us righteous. He declares us righteous. Notice that Paul did not say he declares us sinless. He didn't declare us sinless because we're not sinless. He declared us righteous. This is a picture, and and they understood this in these terms. We don't. It's lost in translation. This is a picture in their culture of a legal scenario. And we have a judge, and there is a man standing before the judge who is guilty. And everyone around him knows he's guilty. He knows that he's guilty. The judge knows that he's guilty. But yet the judge looks at him, and the judge declares him free. And he declares this guilty man released from his guilt. He does not declare him sinless. He declares the guilty man guilt-free because someone else has paid for the offense. And that's a picture of what Jesus has done for us right here. And they understood that. A picture that Jesus has purchased our soul's freedom. And he purchased it with his death and with his resurrection. And then God, the judge, stands before us. And guess what? He pardons everyone who chooses to follow Jesus. He doesn't declare them sinless. What he does is he takes the righteousness of Jesus and he puts it on their life. And he takes the holiness of Jesus and places it on their life. And God, the judge, declares us righteous with the righteousness of Jesus. And what an amazing picture that is. That's what he's saying right there in that little verse. And then look what he says. He gives us this confidence, and then go to the next one for me, James. This confidence, and everyone with this confidence, guess what? They will inherit eternal life. Paul says, if you, are, if you have experienced this new birth, you are a child of God, and now you are an heir of God. And if you are an heir, all heirs have an inheritance coming to them. And he says, your inheritance is eternal life. Who inherits this eternal life? Only the heirs. Only those who have been brought into the family of God. Only those who are the children of God. You see, God cannot tolerate sin. And he certainly can't let sin into his family. And God cannot excuse sin. He can't say, oh, well, that's okay. You meant well. He can't. He's holy. He's pure completely. can have nothing to do with sin. Which means someone had to pay. And the only person that could pay for the sins of the world would be God himself. God himself took on the punishment for the sins of the entire world as he gave his own son for payment for the sins of the world. And every single person who uh, is then invited to follow Jesus on that path of grace. And if they do, then God invites them and welcomes them into his family. And when we join his family, 
He calls you his child. He gives you his name to carry. And he calls you an heir, which means you have an inheritance, an eternal life with God. He gives you right standing with God, holiness, and uninterrupted friendship with God. That's what he does. This new life that Paul is talking about, this new life, we talked about the new birth, this new life, I really believe it is attainable, and I believe for every single one of us, it is a worthy pursuit, but don't miss this. It's attainable, it's worthy to pursue, but it is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. When you have this new birth, it's immediate. God does it. It happens. But this new life that he offers, it's not, it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen. Listen to how he words this in verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying, Paul says. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. You see this new life that God offers you? This new life in Christ? It comes to those who determine to do something with the new birth that they were given that happens immediately. It comes to those new life comes to those who do something with the new birth. It doesn't come to the person that says, ah, listen, I'm just going to, I'm going to give it a shot every once in a while. We'll see how it turns out. It doesn't come to them. It doesn't come to the person who's halfway trying and in the end they say, oh, well, I'm only human after all. I'm only human. It doesn't come to them. It doesn't come to the person that follows for a bit. And then they decide, well, I think I'll go back to doing things my way. It doesn't come to them, new life. It doesn't come to the person that jumps in and out of church and in and out of church when things are convenient. It doesn't come to them. No, 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 no. Those who experience new life, they resolve to intently listen for and listen to God's spirit that's living in their soul. And they begin to dedicate themselves to obey that subtle and that quiet prompting of God's spirit. And they learn to say yes to God's spirit constantly, moment by moment, continuously. You see, this is not automatic. This requires us to listen for God's spirit and to say yes to him when he says, no, 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 don't do that, do this. No, 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 don't say, say this. No, 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 don't go that way, go this way. You see, God's, God makes it possible to have new life. But it requires us to say yes to him a little more Every day, moment by moment. It requires us to watch for God's Spirit, 
to watch for his leading, to listen for him, to prompt us and to guide us. And then it requires us moment by moment to say yes, one decision at a time, day by day by day. That's how we get the new life. You see, my greatest regrets in life have happened since I became a follower of Jesus, since I experienced that new birth. I should have been having the new life, but why did I have my greatest regrets since I became a follower of Jesus? And here's the answer to why. Because there were moments in my life and sometimes seasons in my life where I didn't listen to, watch for, I didn't say yes to God's spirit. Instead, I said no, and I did what I wanted to do. And it led me, even though I was a follower of Jesus, even though I had an eternal inheritance waiting for me as a child of God, it led me to my greatest regrets because I was not listening to God's spirit. You see, this new life is not automatic. God's spirit will point me and direct me and guide me, but I must listen for him and I must say yes. And Paul says, this new life thing of listening to God's spirit and saying yes moment by moment, this is not just for you. It's not just for you. Listen to how he goes on with this verse. It says, these teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. In other words, this new life that you can experience in God is not just for you, but it benefits the people around you. Don't miss this. Ultimately, the more your life changes, the more your life points other people towards Jesus. But the opposite is true as well. The more your life stays the same, the more your life shouts to the people around you, I'm a fraud. You might as well run away from God. Paul says this new life is not just for, for you, although it will change your life and you will benefit but it benefits those around you as well. You see, walking this way, it is a direction. There is a choice for us to make to say, I will either follow my way or I'm going to leave my path and follow the path of grace and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a Christ follower. But then it's also a way of life towards a new life. With God's spirit saying, no, 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 no. Walk like Jesus walked. Live like Jesus lived. And both of these things, getting on the path of grace and then growing on that path of grace, are both made possible because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But then Jesus hands it off to the Holy Spirit, and both of those are managed by, administered by, God's spirit. And how do we respond? How do we get in on that? It's by a series of yeses. 
a series of us saying yes to the Holy Spirit as he invites you, number one, to enter that path and follow this path of grace by becoming a Christ follower. And then secondly, it's a lifetime of yeses as the Holy Spirit waves you down and says, no, 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 not that, do this. A lifetime of yeses, moment by moment by moment. And then the result is a new life. And that is a life that shows other people the way to Jesus. Now here's what we're asking you to do today as we wrap this up. Some of you for the very first time. You're ready to say, you know what? I have been following my path my way. I've been investigating this whole Christ-following thing, and I am ready. I'm ready to say, Jesus, you purchased this life. When you died on the cross, and three days later you rose again, that punishment that you took was payment for my life. And because of that, I give you my life. I submit it. That's you stepping onto the path of grace and saying, I will be a Christ follower. If that's you this morning, there's a place on the back of your connection card to let us know. Some of you are ready possibly to make that step to say yes to God's spirit today in that way. And if you are stepping onto that path of grace or if you have already stepped onto that path of grace, then God's spirit is saying this to you. It's time for you to grow in that grace. It's time for you to experience this new life. And that happens day by day, moment by moment, as you say yes to God's spirit because God placed his spirit in your soul if you're his follower. And now his spirit is guiding you, is directing you, prompting you. And we have to listen, we have to watch, and we have to say yes. Now the best way the best way to begin listening for God's Spirit in your life is for you to get into God's Word every single day, a little bit at a time, into God's Word. We cannot separate God's Word from the work of God's Spirit. Get into God's Word every single day so that you can say yes to God's Spirit as he waves you down and says, no, 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 not that, this. Yes by yes by yes, day by day by day. And the result is a life that points people toward Jesus. So we're asking you this morning, don't get stalled on that path of grace. Move toward the new life that Paul was speaking about. Next week, we begin a brand new series. And I know there have been people in your life that you've been loving and you've been inviting and you've been encouraging. And next week will be an amazing opportunity to get them involved on the very front end of a series. A series in which we're going to look at what some of the culture has said and they have taken and they have tied it to the message of Christ. And we're going to point out some things that God never said that we have blamed God for years and years and years. 
And it'll be an amazing opportunity to have that person sitting beside you as we lovingly look at how we can separate popular culture and sayings from what God actually said and commanded. This will be your chance to have them sitting beside you. Let's pray. God, we ask you to forgive us. God, forgive us for the so many times that we have thought of new life as something that is simply bestowed upon us. God, forgive us for consistently, so often ignoring what your spirit has to say to us. God, we need your help for us to say yes to your spirit. God, forgive us for the times that we have sent people running away from you because they have observed our lives and how we claim to be Christian, but yet we still live to simply please ourselves. God, forgive us for saying that we're Christians and that we have stepped onto the path of grace, but yet we simply follow ourselves and what we want. Father, this week as we get into your word, we commit to listen to you daily for directions from your spirit. And God, many of us are committing to truly follow you, to listen for your leading, for your pointing and your prodding, and for us to reply with a simple yes. God, as we do these things each day, we ask that you would make us new. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard. And God, we ask for the courage to do it. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.